0: Hello, welcome to Weekly Dose with Dr. Uday, where all your questions for your primary care doctor are answered. Our goal is to help our listeners make their wellness a priority and live out long, enjoyable and fulfilling lives. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today on this week's episode of Weekly Dose with Dr. Uday. I have a treat for you. I have Dr. Mira here with us, and we're going to be talking PCOS. So before I get into all of that great information that we're about to have, I'm going to introduce myself. Um, for those that don't know me, I'm, my name is Dr. Uday. I'm a board-certified family medicine physician. I'm based in Martinsburg, West Virginia. I have a primary care practice, namely Apple Valley Family Medicine, and I also um, have an aesthetic practice. My goal is to have my patients not only feeling good, but looking good. So let's get right into it. So I have Dr. Mira here today, so I'm going to give you some information on Dr. Mira. So Dr. Mira is a board certified pediatric endocrinologist offering medical care for children aged 10 to 21. She practiced for the last 15 years in the D.C. metro area, both at Children's National Medical Center and at Pediatric Specialists of Virginia, where she was the medical director of pediatric endocrinology. She has a specialization in treating menstrual and hormonal conditions in girls and young women. Dr. Mera now offers consultations and follow-up care for a variety of endocrine Issues. And with all this, Dr. Mira took the time to spend with us today. So thank you so much, Dr. Mira.
1: Sure, you're welcome. Happy to be here.
0: Hey. So, first question, we're going to get right into it. What is PCOS from your perspective?
1: Yeah, so PCOS, and first of all, I want to start off by saying that um, PCOS stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome, and it's actually a terrible name for the condition. Um, and people come to me all of the time scared that they have cysts on their ovaries. And that's actually not what it means. Um, PCOS as a condition really is defined by irregular menstrual cycles. So your periods can be irregular. Signs on your body or in your lab tests that show that you have an elevated level of a hormone called testosterone. Or you have hair on places that women don't want to have hair. So, you know, hair on the upper lip. Chin, chest, stomach, lower back, and we really look at it and, and ask our patients, you know, where do they have the hair? So those two things, periods and irregular cycles, help us define the diagnosis. Now, in you know, in pediatrics, we often don't rely on the ultrasound, but the um, Androgen Excess Society and the Endocrine Society and the NIH guidelines and the Rotterdam guidelines do say that. Um, you can do an ultrasound, and if the ultrasound looks like there are what looks like a ring of pearls on the ovaries, that can also define PCOS, but you need to have two out of those three. And in pediatrics, I usually look at irregular cycles or signs of hair where women don't want to have hair or a hormone level that's elevated, and that's what I look at to to diagnose the condition.
0: That um, is a great definition. Absolutely. I'm sorry, were you going to say something else?
1: Sure, yeah. And the other part I wanted to say is, um, you know, does not mean that you have cysts on your ovaries. Not everybody that has the condition has cysts. If you do have cysts, they may go away because we all get cysts, you know, each cycle. So it's really not something that you need to be terrified about. And that's often what what people are worried about when they hear that diagnosis.
0: Gotcha. So what would you say Call. This is there a genetic predisposition to it because a lot of times patients are like, you know, what did I do to get it? So that's um, why I'm asking that question.
1: Yeah, so the number one cause of PCOS is genetics. Um, And so there have been studies that have shown that if a mother has PCOS, 90% of her daughters will have PCOS. So, you know, that and if a sister has PCOS, 90% of the time. Her sister will have PCOS as well. So it tends to run in families. It also tends to run in families um, of children who have parents who have type 2 diabetes because PCOS is associated with type 2 diabetes and risk factors for type 2 diabetes. So, um, you know, usually there's a history in the family of somebody with diabetes or somebody with polycystic ovarian syndrome. Rarely we see it that it just sort of comes on that your cycles are irregular sometimes with excess weight gain, you can develop irregularities in your menstrual cycles. Um, but most of the time, there's a genetic component for PCOS.
0: Gotcha. So you kind of touched on it, because usually I kind of separate it and say, hey, here are the symptoms, and here's this, but it looks like those two are kind of tied in, because the symptoms is how you used to diagnose it. But Exactly.
1: You- exactly. And when I have patients come to see me, so, you know, when we talk about pediatric PCOS, you know, and I always say pediatrics is not, we're not little adults, so that we treat, but, you know, pediatric PCOS, you're, we really have to look at the menstrual period two years after their periods start. So like the first two years after their period start, periods can be normal. Um, and and um, the other part, um, Dr. Uday, is that um, periods don't have to be every 28 days and I get that question a lot like I don't have a period every 28 days no, you know almost nobody has a period every 28 days if you do have a period every 28 days you're <laughs> lucky so um, you could have a period everywhere from any every 21 days to every 45 days and that's normal and for kids the first two years after they get their period their periods are going to be all over the place and they can be pretty irregular. And I don't worry about it then. It's really after that time point. So after two years, you know, keep track of their periods. If they're irregular outside of that window, then we start talking about, is this PCOS? Gotcha.
0: So formally with um, diagnosis, I know you kind of mentioned it, you look at the symptoms, and then is there anything else you do to diagnose?
1: Yes. So I do a pretty comprehensive evaluation. Um, You know, I have worked with an adolescent gynecologist for the last 15 years, and I really learned a lot from adolescent gynecologists, but I do a whole evaluation. We talk about, you know, periods, the hair growth, and there's a scoring, scoring system that I use to see how much hair you have. So if you have a little bit of hair on your upper lip, that probably doesn't qualify. But we really look at, you know, your physical exam. Really self-reported um, information is also important. Like, how often do you remove hair on your face? Um, are you removing hair on your face every week? Are you shaving? Are you cutting? How often, you know, cutting? It, how often do you do that? So we do a pretty comprehensive evaluation. Usually, that's enough. If you if you tell me that you're removing hair and shaving, you know, once a week or every other day, um, and your periods are irregular, that's usually enough to say, hey, you probably have PCOS. And and the interesting thing is that um, one in ten women have this. And um, and women like me, you know, and I'm from India, originally South Asian, one in five have PCOS. So it's very common. Um, right. And so, you know, we look at, um, you know, really what the, you know, genetics are. I ask about a lot of family history issues, you know, anybody in your family with irregular cycles, anybody in your family who has infertility or had a hard time getting pregnant, because I don't, we don't talk about that much in peds but in adults, that's a real concern that your cycles are irregular and you can't get pregnant. So a lot of it honestly is based on history yeah. and then um, um, you know the hair pattern, hair pattern growth, and then I do some labs to to verify to see if they have pcos gotcha. um, and and I care about it you know because there's a risk of diabetes, and um, mm-hmm. I don't want my teen you know girls who I treat to develop diabetes. And so we really talk about it. We talk a lot about lifestyle, counseling, um, exercise. Um, I actually, you know, got my obesity board medicine certification because of that, because I was doing so much counseling on diet and exercise for my PCOS patients. Um, But that's very important for them to know. And um, and then we talk a lot about, you know, um, you know, what it means. And like, you just asked me, um, what, what brought it on. And usually it's nothing that they brought on themselves. It's nothing that they need to blame themselves for, or that the moms need to blame themselves for, because it's not something that anyone did to bring it on. Gotcha. So you
0: kind of touched on it, but formally, what, what is the treatment for it?
1: So really the treatment, um, is focused on your symptoms, right? So once we have the diagnosis, we focus on your symptoms um, do you have irregular periods? What do we want to do for that? Um, if your periods, you know, I don't, I actually tell my pediatric patients that I don't even think you need to have a period every month. I mean, it's important for us to track that, but if you're having a period at least every, you know, every four months or every three months, um, it's probably okay to to start off with so if you're okay with having a period every 3 months that's okay um as long as you're having four periods a year i don't have a problem waiting to see what happens because pcos in adolescence can evolve over time um, and that can change but if you are also having you know heavy periods or you don't know when your period's going to come and um, you feel like you know you're having less periods than you know every three, you know every 3 months then we do talk about birth control pills. I mean, that's an option that we talk about, um, and people don't like to hear the word birth control pill. Um, and there's a lot of information and counseling we talk to with our moms, and you know, culturally there are issues related to that. So we talk to we talk to our moms about that and the kids, um, the the adolescent girls. I don't want to call them kids, but we talk about that, and um, so you know we say, you know, is that an option? There's other medications besides birth control pills. I use Provera to sometimes bring the menstrual period on. So there's a a pill that's not estrogen based that we talk about using that every three, you know, three or four months to bring a period on. Um, I use a medication called metformin also for select patients, which is given for diabetes. And so if I think a girl has you know, I, I do test for their blood sugars, and so the A1C. If their A1C is elevated, I will try metformin. Or if they don't want to use birth control pills, we will try that because at certain doses, metformin can be effective to bring your period on and prevent diabetes. Um, and then we also talk a lot about lifestyle intervention, <coughs> um, medication sometimes that we can give to um, to help with weight loss if that's an option down the road. But a lot of it's the symptoms, so. People are worried about their periods. And then the other part that they're worried about, you know, where you come in probably is the aesthetic part of it, um, is they're worried about this hair, the hair that they have hair on their face, acne, you know, what do we do about that? How do we treat it? Um, and we really talk about, you know, that, and and unfortunately I don't have a good solution for the hair growth. I can, I give certain medications to slow how fast that hair comes out on their face. I, you know, it helps with acne. Um, but, um, you know, laser or electrolysis, sometimes it's the only option to get rid of that hair. And for pediatric patients, I have a couple of places here in the Northern Virginia area, laser centers that are willing to do laser and electrolysis for young patients. Um, and those are the only things that have been truly effective over the long term, but they're expensive and they don't, you know, insurance doesn't cover them. But, th- but those are really the mainstays of treatment that we talk about.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, I, I do um, quite a bit of a laser hair removal for, for that. Oh, okay. So okay. A- yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, guys, you've heard it. So there is treatment out there um, to help. Um, combat uh, PCOS. Now, doc, I'm going to um, switch gears. And um, this is a question for you. I always ask, Um, why do you do what you do?
1: So I do what I do because I grew up um, with irregular menstrual cycles myself. And so my periods were irregular and nobody ever really paid attention to my cycles. And um, when I went into pediatrics, I started seeing a lot of girls who had similar concerns to what I had growing up, and I really wanted to tailor my practice to treat those patients and to provide them education. And then over the last fifteen years, I've been seeing PCOS patients. I started a PCOS clinic uh, right out of right out of fellowship, so two thousand eight, um, I started one, and then. I saw that there were all these patients who didn't know what their diagnosis was, who were scared about their diagnosis, who didn't know how to get it treated, who didn't have the information, and they didn't really have anyone to go. I mean, adult OBGYNs do not want to see the pediatric patients. Um, pediatricians often, you know, were limited in time to do the full evaluation. Um, and so I, I really, you know, felt that I wanted these girls to be empowered to 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 take care of themselves and to understand their diagnosis. And so I primarily focus on PCOS now in my practice.
0: That's, I mean, that's very, very, the the work you do, that's very important. And it sounds like you had some personal experience yourself. Right. And you you knew exactly how it felt not to be able to get that care. Right, exactly. Yeah, so very much appreciated. Thank you so much for what you do. So... When If people are trying to find you or connect with you or find out more about you, where can they find you,
1: Doc? Sure. Yeah. So I am um, located in Virginia. I have a primarily telemedicine practice where I see patients, Virginia, Maryland, and Florida. And uh, my website is www.themaraclinic.com. So my last name is themaraclinic.com. Um, and I'm on Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, so you can reach out to me, ask questions, um, and certainly for your patients in West Virginia, if they're willing to drive over the West Virginia line to Virginia, I'd be happy to see them via telemedicine as well. We
0: definitely need, need the help. So guys, I will include that, um, information, um, with this, um, video as well. Dr. Mira, thank you so much. This was so helpful. Sure. Thank you for having me. This was great. You're welcome. Thank you so much. So guys, you heard it. So, um, I'm going to be including the information with this. And in addition to that, if you're looking for uh, a great primary care physician, we're accepting new patients at apple Valley family medicine. You can call us at 304-350-1087, and you can find us online at www.applevalleyfamilymed.com. Please like this video and please share it with someone that this could help. Cause I know this can help a lot of people. And thank you so much for tuning in, guys. This is all we have for you today. Thanks again. See you, Dr. Mira. Thank you. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please take a moment to subscribe, share, and include a review. Don't forget, you're worth it. And your health is our priority. Tune in for another episode next week and have a great rest of your week.